given balance and also having order. And I might just say this, that uh, order is one thing, but balance is something else. Balance, perhaps, is the hardest thing in life that you will ever achieve. Uh, an imbalance caused the Pharisees to be Pharisees, <laughs> as, as we understand them. These you ought to have done, not to leave the other undone. Strain an at and you swallow a camel. And the Lord, uh, the, the Lord pronounced seven woes upon the Pharisees in Matthew 23 because of this. Now, in verse 26, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done to edifying. The first lesson we talked about as far as spiritual gifts go, we talked about edifying or edification. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be but two or at the most but three, and that by course and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak too. Or three, and let the other judge. And if anything be revealed to the to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And you may be seated. <clears throat> now I will be dealing with the other scriptures also. Uh, one thing I want to point out about the epistles is that the epistles were not written as you would normally write, let's say, a, a thesis. Let's say you're you're working on uh, your your doctorate at the UW, and you have to put together a thesis. The epistles are not written that way. That is. While we're talking about order, uh, the epistles are not in a particular order. In other words, uh, <clears throat> you'd normally look at an outline, and, you, and you'd, you'd, if you just looked at the high points of the outline, you'd get the drift of, of the subject matter. But uh, unlike a thesis, the apostles, these are letters, and they just, the Apostle Paul was addressing particular trouble areas and areas of concern. Uh, of course, he had other things that he mentions to them that were not problem areas, uh, things that he wanted to commend them on. Uh, he mentions those. But for the most part, as problems uh, came up, he dealt with those. And uh, that's the way the epistles were written. Now, we have not dealt outside of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 in spiritual gifts. They are in other places in the Bible. They're not all mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, the nine spiritual gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, I assume they're mentioned here. Uh, and they vary somewhat from the spiritual gifts. In other words, to get a a total look at spiritual gifts, you have to go to other places in the Bible, just like 
the Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you want the total picture of the life and the works of Jesus Christ, you need to read all. And you can read an account of maybe an individual getting healed. And then you may read it in another place and it gives additional information, sometimes even additional people being involved. But you have to consider have to consider all of it. Uh, Romans 12, which we will be talking about uh, in some later studies, <clears throat> definitely brings up some spiritual gifts that are not mentioned here. Now, <clears throat> last week we talked about tongues, interpretation, the regulation on them, and that tongues and interpretation are equivalent to prophecy. In other words, they serve for the same purpose as far as as uh, uh, edifying goes. Tongues and interpretation seems to be used when outsiders are present, whereas prophecy, that is just telling forth or under the anointing or the unction of the Holy Ghost, or we would use the word inspiration of the Holy Ghost, someone speaks. Now, <clears throat> I stopped... Yeah, and on verse 32, by saying, and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And this is something that, that I think that all of you need to understand. Sometimes people spiritualize to the point that they, they overemphasize uh, to, in certain areas, I want to be careful as to how I word this. This is why I'm, I don't want people to think that we don't believe in an operation of the Spirit. But there's but people who overemphasize the operation of the Spirit usually get into the flesh a lot sooner than people who uh, feel that the Holy Spirit should work through our flesh and that we actually do have some control. I've seen some people that didn't feel that way and they... they uh, <clears throat> They did not do things that brought a lot of glory to God. So I personally think when it comes to worship, uh, very rarely ever, you may be slain in the Spirit, but very rarely ever will you worship to the point that you are not aware of what's happening around you. And usually when you want to become so lost in the Spirit that you, you forget about Everybody else that's around you, uh, usually you end up more in the flesh doing things that do not glorify God than you would if you were concerned about bringing glory to God. Now, when Paul says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, this is a point that I really want to nail or bring home tonight because even... The writings that are found in the Bible, while we know they are under the inspiration of God, most experts who study Scripture, scriptorians, can take and read a Scripture, or at least a couple of Scriptures, not knowing what book they're in, and tell you who wrote that, because the style and such uh, are... Interjected, even though it's under the inspiration of God. God using the human element. 
If we have someone in our congregation that gives a message in tongues, and we have someone that interprets, the, the interpretation will probably be in, the, in a very similar vernacular in which they are accustomed to talking. In other words, if a man uses double negatives, he might use double negatives. You know, and sometimes, you know, uh, a person might jump up and say, Yea, I say unto thee, nay. You know, <laughs> I'm just using that for example. I don't know that that would ever happen. But, <clears throat> but what I'm saying is that usually the vernacular in which they, they uh, are accustomed to. Now, others, however, because that they like to use Bible phraseology and Bible terms or Bible words, they will interpret in yeas and nays. And some people get the idea because the King James Version is in yeas and nays and such that, that Jesus spoke in yeas and nays. But <clears throat> Jesus was not speaking that way. So... <clears throat> There are some things that that I feel that we need to call your attention to. So I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is back up just a little bit. I say back up from this verse, that is verse 32. And we will talk about tongues and interpretation. Now, last week we talked about this, but I just want to review. I don't know if we have anyone here that was not in the service last week. But I say week before last now, Brother Shirley was with us last week. But I have personally felt that that uh, uh, spiritual gifts should be in operation. But if God does not use or choose verbal spiritual gifts, you have to understand that there are many other gifts that can be used and should be used, like a word of wisdom. Now, sometimes we feel that it's more spiritual to go prophesy over someone than it is just to go and look them right in the eye and tell them something that God has shown them. You know. But uh, <clears throat> I cannot see, according to the Scripture, that one is any greater than the other. Uh, I, I, just, I just don't believe that. I, in other words, I started out by reading, when we all come together, everyone hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation. All of these gifts combined will bring proper growth or edification to the body. I don't know how a church can operate without spiritual gifts. Now, there are some churches that believe that spiritual gifts have been done away with. Um, I'm hoping in this study I'll be able to deal with that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, where a lot of people are, I feel, misinterpreting the Scripture. Now, the order is that when there's a message in tongues, that it should be by two, that is, at least two messages, the most by three, and then there should be one interpretation. Now, there should be one interpretation. Now, if there is no interpreter, then we, we just stop. In other words, there should be silence. So there is discipline involved even when God is moving in a great way. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. And it, now let me just uh, <clears throat> say this about 
prophecy. Prophecy is, is the tongues and interpretation without the tongues. In other words, it's just a message that goes forth. It should be by two or three and let the other judge. I personally feel that what Paul is saying in this, when spiritual gifts are exercised, that is the verbal gifts because these are the ones that he put the regulations on, that they should be exercised only in the presence of, of spiritual leaders. There should be someone there that can pass judgment upon it. Now, you may say, well, what if we're in a prayer meeting, just a prayer meeting of two or three people, and let's say brothers or sisters, sometimes the sisters like to get together, sometimes they're brothers, and there's no spiritual leader there, and we have tongues and interpretation. Well, all I can say is that we have to go by the Bible. If anybody has been in a meeting, I'm not condemning it, but I am saying this. Unless there's spiritual leaders there, you should exercise enough Discipline, just to hold your peace and uh, wait until they're spiritual leaders. Now, we could all say, well, I believe that, you know, I believe that we should just let the Lord uh, control. I believe that. But God always controls according to what is written. You know, this is his word. And I didn't write it, and you didn't write it. We're not taking it out of the Sunday papers. We're not taking out the parade magazine or the comics. It's coming out of the Bible. And you can always test your level of spirituality uh, by your eagerness to obey the Scripture. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem strange that, that, you know, somebody gives a message, another gives a message, and another message is given. There's no interpretation. That simply means that Somebody probably should have interpreted, but they didn't. God says, well, okay, I'm going to regulate this by saying no more messages in tongues. We don't need an interpretation or anything then later on because confusion will set in. And that was the whole problem with 1 Corinthians 14. People were speaking in tongues, a self-edification type tongue, which we made mention to. Paul says when they come in, they think that, you know, you're a barbarian. I happened to receive a letter, and I have it here in my notebook. Someone wrote this letter to me. I have no idea who wrote it. I, I don't know. It's in, it's in Spanish, I guess. It's, it's addressed to Senor Jesus. I don't know if that's to me or if that was to God. I'm not for sure. But anyway, I don't know. I, I don't know Spanish that much, so... If somebody knows Spanish, I'd like for them to come and read uh, read this off and, and, and translate it for me. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, at any rate, I don't have any idea. <laughs> this sister down here is laughing. Did you write this? <clears throat> she says she did. I know she knows how to speak English, so she can translate it. All right. But, but you see, if, if I stood here and I spoke German... Some of you may know what I'm talking about. Uh, if I spoke German, I wouldn't know for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get nothing out of it. And, and after a while, everything's just in, the, in, a, in a state of, of chaos. Well, there's no order. Uh, 
And, and of course, I, I believe that in order for the Holy Spirit to really uh, move the way that God wants to move, that, that there should be some order. Now, I, I think 1 Thessalonians 5, he's, he's just... He just throws this in. It's just a, a brief mention of this, all right? First Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 16. It says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. In other words, don't go get your extinguisher and put the Spirit out. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. So, <clears throat> it's not by coincidence that those two are together. That uh, they go hand in hand. But on the other hand, we must understand that it is God's intent for the very mind that's in Christ to be in us. So that while we have full control of our faculties that we have so interwoven our spirit with his spirit and our mind with his mind that we actually take on the mind of Christ Jesus so we can think like God thinks. The truth of the matter is if you can't think like God thinks, you definitely can't act like God acts because the mind controls the action. And you can't separate character from conduct. See, what you are determines what you do. And how you behave yourself. And so it is necessary then that uh, we understand the order and that we have good balance. And this is what he's this is what he's saying. And I know in verse 29, this is an area in a lot of Pentecostal ranks that I feel that we need to work on. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. Now I know of a situation where there was a young man prophesied over. And I, I'm, I'm hesitant to mention this, but I think that in the long run that this will, this will do you good, that this young man was prophesied over in the service that he was going to live. And he had leukemia, and of course, uh, he did not live. Since then, he has passed away. You, you see, this does great harm to a lot of people's faith. So, well, look, he was prophesied over. Well, see, I think that when... There's prophecy of this nature. If you can't get two or three other people to, to prophesy and some spiritual authority to judge what's gone on, uh, you're better off to kind of put your feelings in neutral. And if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't happen, don't turn on God. You follow what I'm saying? Some people get bitter against God. You're better off to just say, well... Uh, we just follow the scripture, and, and if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, uh, I will not go bitter. I will not grow bitter against God. I, I personally think to get bitter against God is one of the most ridiculous things. I, I've seen people do this. I don't know how anybody. I, I don't know what it is, but I have never been able. Uh, I, I've I've even caught myself. With, with some adverse circumstances that happened to me, catching myself thinking, how would a man actually blame God? And I'd look at myself and say, I don't know what I did, but I view God as being true and just and holy and, 
all of his his judgments are righteous. How can he how could he do me wrong? See, but I think that if, if we would get prophets, or in this case, maybe I should use if, when people prophesy, if we would if we would get a correlation or an agreement. See, if any two or three touching any one thing on earth, it shall be done. See? There is power in cooperate witnessing. So, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he was standing up with the eleven. In other words, them standing up with him, they voiced their support that what he's saying is right. And I think, you know, uh, one one of the greatest things that you can possibly do after the preacher's preached and somebody comes down to the altar is to come down here and you yourself voice to the person that you're praying with that what he heard is true. See, it's convincing then. How do you do that? By quoting them scripture. You can give people faith. See, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now, verse 30, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Every now and then you'll hear maybe two people that try to interpret at approximately the same time. Now, you may say, oh, how in the world could that happen? Well, it does happen. It happens that you can have a message or two messages and no interpretation. You could have three messages and no interpretation. Because we all wear this robe of human flesh, and God governs his moving as far as spiritual gifts are concerned to the efforts and the abilities and the willingness of human flesh. You know, it's like the order. We're going to be talking about the order here in in just a a few moments. But uh, as far as the chain of command is concerned, you know, we have the household of faith and we have order in the household of faith because there's government there. There has to be someone in charge. We, we have a president in our, in our nation because there has to be someone in charge. That's the order. Now, this order may be filled, our offices may be filled by people who fail. But nevertheless, if you've got a better idea, you've got a better one than God has. Because... This is God's idea. And truthfully, there just can't be a better earthly system until all of us have been translated or glorified. It's just going to be that way. So you'll have occasionally two people that will start a message. And the Bible says if and I'm, if one person, if, if something's revealed to one, and let's say he starts giving this revelation or this interpretation... And another starts in momentarily. Then the Bible says, let the first hold his peace. Now, normally, you know, it's first come, first serve. First one start. I started first. I'll finish. But that's not the way it is in the house of God. What Paul is assuming, and I don't think that Paul had to have some great revelation from God. What Paul is assuming, that if this happens, most likely the person who starts last didn't hear. 
that somebody started ahead. So if he didn't hear, and we're just we're only trying to edify the body, it doesn't make any difference who gets the credit anyway. Let the first person then, if you hear somebody else, if you've already started, then you just stop and let, let the other man finish. It doesn't make any difference. You follow what he's saying, what he's saying. All right? And that's something that, that I feel that is that is that is very important. Very important. So <clears throat> the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not notice how he connects it with the preposition, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. In other words, I give you this order because God is not the author of confusion. And if there's confusion among you, it's because some of you are spiritualizing this to the point that the flesh takes over. That's kind of hard medicine, isn't it? Really. But there are some people that they, they feel in order for God to use them that they, they've got to do something bizarre. Something that, that, is, that is daring and, and courageous that nobody else would do. Now there's some people that way. But that's, that's just not true. And let me just say this. I'll throw this in. It doesn't make any difference if you're preaching on the street corner or worshiping around the altar. There are certain things that bring glory to God and certain things that don't. And if you're doing things that don't bring glory to God, you know what's happening? You're doing this to appease your own flesh. And any time that there's an element of flesh that crops up like that, God does not get glory. There is no edification of the body, and consequently, fewer people are saved. Now, some people seem to get saved in spite of everything we do. I meant do that's wrong. But I think the worst thing that I could do or anybody could do is to say, just don't worry about spiritual gifts. When God comes down and takes over, everything's going to be all right. Well, I'd like to say they would be. But evidently, it wasn't that way in the Scripture, and I know it's not that way now. And I know there have been times in which, you know, without... I'm not an alarmist, for one thing. You know, the only time I really get alarmed is when something happens and I don't get alarmed. I, mean, I have people come and, 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 and just almost shake me and say, you should be real concerned about this, Pastor. Uh, you know, you follow what I'm saying. Now... There are times in which I stood behind the pulpit and said, I want everybody now just to hold your peace. Now, we've had too much of this, and things are not going right, and God's not getting the glory, and we're just out of bounds of Scripture, and let's just hold our peace. Maybe later on in the service, after everybody quieted down and everybody got a hold of God. You know, while I'm saying, you know, God has certain character traits, and each character trait fulfills a particular purpose in your life. Now, peace is inseparable from government. See? And in other words, if, if you're going to have peace,
peace in the church, there has to be government. If you're going to have peace in your mind, I don't care how much God you have, there has to be some government in your own mind. In other words, government is a set of, or it is an order. It's the way things, some people, you know, an alarmist, you know, a person that, you know, just, oh, wow, you know. Reminds me of a story I heard in East Texas. One man told it to be true. There was a, there was a, a Cajun. You know, those are Louisiana Frenchmen, Indian, and, and a lot of them are alarmist. Now, Sue's not here. She'd get a charge on this. Somebody ran in a, in a barbershop, and there was this guy getting, getting a, a shave. I mean, he just had lather all over his face, and he was all in a chair. and said, Richard, 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 your house is on fire. Land sakes alive. Man, he jumped out of that chair, and he busted through the door and tore out down the street. And, and somebody said, where are you going? He said, oh, my house is on fire. My house is on fire. Somebody stopped and said, you don't even have a house. He said, that's right. My name's not Richard either. <clears throat> so, so, <clears throat> some people, you know, they just, get, they just get bent out of shape about things, you know. And, but it, for you to have confidence and peace, there has to be order, see, inside person who has order inside doesn't lose his composure. He doesn't spring all out at everything. He doesn't get bent out of shape of everything. See, The Bible says unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his peace and government, there shall be no end. Where there are strong leaders, there is peace. Now, the character trait that God uses is peace when government is concerned. The Bible tells us in Colossians 2, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now, it does not say the God of peace. He uses a character trait as the subject. And of God modifies that character trait. I think he purposefully turned it around to show you. Because sometimes when we think of God, before we even think of anything else, we think of an explosive dynamite. Ye shall receive power. Something that will just blow the devil and everything in our way right into hell. You know, some people they think, but listen, there is, there is, there is power in God. There is power in God that's not destructive. Now, some is, but not all. See, for everything you tear up, there has to be something equally as powerful to mend it. See, in other words, you can pray the devil out of someone, but there has to be something equally as powerful to come in and solidify the things that have been torn out. See? And that's God. And as much as God is, is powerful, He also has the ability to bring an order when things are blown out. See? 
So God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Now, I'll just go into this, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Now, obviously, he's addressing something here that they were also teaching, that is, that the women <clears throat> could not be used in, in the line of spiritual gifts. That seems to be what he's saying because he, he, he sandwiches that right in the midst here and he comes back and uh, talks about spiritual gifts later on. Verse 39, Wherefore, brethren, cover to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, in verse 36, he says, What came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul uses this quite often to the Corinthians because, well, the Corinthians, if you remember when he starts the book, he said, Some people don't accept me as being an apostle. He said, To others I may not be, but to you. You cannot deny that. And he talks about the validity of his apostleship. Now, you find in, in verse 5, chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. So what he's doing, he's, he's also talking about the message that he preaches unto them. Now let me show you another place in which he uses this same phrase that's found in... In verse 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. We go all the way back to chapter 11. And this is where that the apostle Paul talks about the order in the Christian home. Now the order in the Christian home is found here. It talks about a woman. It talks about her hair and what it's a sign of. And also a man, and what it's a sign of. But this is what he said, Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Obviously, this church had turned some things around. And they said, well, this is the way it, the Scripture reads. You know, I remember one time I was in a service and, and the preacher was talking about scriptures that had been turned around. And and then he talked about scriptures that were, uh, things that were quoted that were not scriptures. And the pastor was teaching a Sunday school class and he said, and, and I heard someone say that it was a scripture that, that cleanliness is next to godliness. And somebody in the back says, Amen. And... <clears throat> Then he said, well, really, he said, I, th I think that's very logical, but that's not Scripture per se. And then he said, now, I also heard one time a man that was uh, testifying, and he said, well, you know, like the Bible says, every tub has to set on its own bottom. <laughs> and there was a man sitting right next to Sister Grant and I, and he jumped up. He said, amen, it's in there. I read it. <clears throat> Now, I don't think 
but every tub has to set on its own bottom. Now, at any rate, <coughs> these people, while they they may not have been in in the ridiculous, they were very sincere in instructing and teaching certain things to their people that obviously were not in in the law. And Paul had to come around and kind of pull rank on them and say, look, I don't care what you say this, the, the, the Old Testament Scripture is saying. What you're going to have to do, you're going to have to follow these ordinances as I write or explain them to you. That, And so what he does, he says, but, now listen, listen to what he said, but I have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of the man is God. Every man praying or prophesying have his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now, what he's saying here is that you folks have been teaching something you obviously are teaching that a woman cannot pray or prophesy. Now, the reason why I draw that conclusion because that's what he says over here in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, before he gets into this, he sets the record straight. He says, but they can pray and they can prophesy as long as... There is a distinction in the role of the woman and the man. And then he goes into this, the hair question. If a woman prays or prophesies, having her head covered, she honors who? Her husband. But if her head's not covered, she dishonors her husband. And, of course, the same is true with a man. Verse 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. All right. And then, of course, in verse uh, 14, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. Now, notice what, what the Scripture says in verse 15. Now, my intention here in this is just to hit some high points, not to teach... Uh, lesson on 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 hair, which I think uh, is is an, it would be an order for me to teach, and I probably should do some teaching on this. But at any rate, verse fifteen. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her for her hair, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So a woman that prays or prophesies should have long hair, showing. That she honors the system that God put in order. Okay? And, of course, her hair is an outward sign of an inward faith and obedience to God. Now, I said all that to say that we have to read that in order to fully understand what Paul is saying also in 1 Corinthians 14. 34, go back to that. But let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted to them to speak. Now, what, are we, what is the context? The speaking is the praying and the prophesying. All right? 
But they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Now notice, the key to the interpretation of this is looking at verse 36. What? Question mark. Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? Now basically what he's doing is he says, now the men, obviously, this congregation, even though they may have been sincere, you know you can be sincerely wrong. And all sincerity of a man is tested by his ability to follow Scripture. A sincere person will always, always seek out the truth of the matter. Even if if it's contrary to human flesh, he will search out the truth of the matter. So I want to be a lover of truth. I want to know truth. And any time I set out to appease my flesh or fulfill the desire that I have, I can usually find enough scripture that I can twist or turn in order to do that. Now, the truth of the matter is, what Paul said, that they said came out of the law, never came out of the law. You can't find that in the Old Testament. That's not in the Old Testament. Now, a woman was to be submissive to her husband. That's in the Old Testament. She was to bring forth children and do so in pain. That's in the Old Testament. But what he quoted did not come out of the Old Testament. So what he, what he, this is what he said. They are to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands home. For it is a shame for a woman to speak in the churches. What? Question mark. Are you sure about that, in other words? He said, that word that you claim came out of God did not come out of God. It came out of you. It didn't come out of God. So the thing about it is, if a woman prays or prophesies in the church, according to 1 Corinthians 15, where she is bringing great honor to the cause of the Lord... Now, I, I'm, I might also, before I even finish this, for fear that some that I might be misunderstood, this also goes for the men. Inasmuch as the ladies are required to be under obedience to authority, so are men. And this is also displayed by the way they wear their hair. Now, isn't it a strange thing that during the hippie age, when everybody wanted to be anti-government, anti-establishment, it was during this time that all the men grew their hair down to their shoulders and beyond? That's a strange thing, isn't it? Maybe you never thought that there was a correlation between the two. See? So... I wouldn't want the ladies to think, well, Brother Grant's just going to get up here and pick on us all night and leave the men alone. Well, I mean, what's good for one is good for the other. Because you, inasmuch as a woman who does not fulfill her distinctive role as prescribed in the Scripture cannot edify, 
Neither can men who do not fulfill their distinctive role. They cannot edify either. It's just the problem was that the ladies were being suppressed. They were being suppressed to the point that, that they just sat there while the men. So what you can say, ladies, if you'd like, is that when Paul talks about all this babbling and all this that's going on that's not according to God, it wasn't the ladies, it was the men. <laughs> now this is a woman's world now, you know, it's different now. You know the old saying, telephone, telegraph, and tell a woman. <laughs> I said all that about the men just to get you ladies conditioned for that. <laughs> they said the Lord was the first to deal in electronics. He made a man, and from the man's rib, he made a loudspeaker. I'm going to get in trouble here. I think I'm already in trouble. <clears throat> well, we're going to laugh about this. I have to put this in so you, you remember what the Scripture is saying, see? Now, but now notice what Paul says. He said, what? Are you sure that came out of the law? He said, it didn't come out of the law. It came out of you. And verse 37, now this is what he says. Now, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, in other words, if you think you're a great prophet and you're so spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. If others don't believe my apostleship, surely you people do. And you have to understand that what I'm writing unto you came out of God. All right? Now, verse 38, now this is what he says, however, if any man wants to be ignorant, just let him be ignorant. In other words, there's no real cure for ignorance when there is not willingness to be otherwise. See? And then, <clears throat> verse 39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. And everybody feeling good about each other, everybody understanding everybody's role, See, everybody can't be an usher. Everybody can't be a sound man. Everybody can't be the drummer. Everybody can't play the horn. Everybody can't play the, the, the piano, the organ. Everybody can't preach. I mean, if, if everybody here could preach, you can all. Everybody can't be a praise singer. Everybody can't go in there. But somebody's got to do all these things. And I should never take anyone else's Position in God lightly. You see, this is what Paul does when he talks about spiritual gifts. This, you know, he, he outlines these spiritual gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12. But then this is, this is what he also says. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand... I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, just because, just because you look at some brother or sister's ministry with, with very little respect, that does not mean that they're not valid and they're not important. And this is what he says. 
He says, just because the hand looked at the foot and said, you're not of the body, doesn't make that so. It's still of the body. And it always will be. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body, question mark. If the whole body were an eye, now let me paraphrase this, if the whole body were an eye, pray tell me who do the hearing. Sometimes we need to see, but sometimes we need to hear. If the whole were a hearing, who would do the smelling? See? But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now, if God has called my brother or sister to a special ministry... And spiritual gifts are necessary in order for that ministry to be fulfilled. I should appreciate that ministry if for another reason than the fact that God made the choice. You know what, I, I figured this out. I, a long time ago, someone asked me, you have to do this and you have to do that. And I said, hold it just a minute. I made up my mind a long time ago, what pleases God just tickles me to death. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, but yet one body. And the eye cannot say in the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And I personally think, as we look out across the congregation, we've got people of all sizes, shapes, ages, working in all different parts of our city. And when we come together, we blend together as well as any church that I know of any place. We've had fewer problems in this church over the years than any church that I know of, and I thank God for that. But I think it's because of a deep understanding and respect for each other. How can you say you love God whom you have not seen? And therefore, hate your brother that you rub shoulders with every day. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one or another. And whether one member suffereth, all of the members suffer with it. You ever stubbed your toe? Man, just a little. You ever pricked your finger? You ever smashed your finger with a hammer? I think it was only just a little tiny part. Years ago, not having money to get my vehicle tuned, I decided I would tune the car myself and I put in some new points. And I dropped a little tiny screw right down in the distributor. 
I was scheduled to preach about 90 miles away, close to Louisiana, and I couldn't get my car going. And it seemed to me like that something so insignificant as a little old tiny screw would stop this big vehicle. But you know what? It did. And what the Bible is saying, you better take care of everybody because everybody has their part. As insignificant as a little hole in the a needle may seem. You can't do any sewing without it. <clears throat> Praise God. For ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Isn't this great? Praise God. Let's stand. Normally I just give an altar call. Why don't you turn around to somebody close to you and shake their hand and say, I need you and I love you. Praise God. I need you and I love you. Uh, Brother Eckenrod? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, the Lord is so great, isn't he? We're going to dismiss you here in a minute or so, so you can go get your orange juice. God is so good. We're going to sing a chorus along with our praise singers. God bless you so much for coming and being with us. We want you to find a place, if you would, to pray while they're singing. If you want to come to the altar, feel free to do so. If you're here and you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, you're missing out on heaven's best. Let me just inform you of something. God doesn't have anything better than the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is not a gift from God. It is the gift of God. That means God himself comes to you. He doesn't bring something other than himself, but he presents himself to you. The Holy Ghost is heaven's best. You can have it tonight. Praise God. While we're singing, if you'd like to come and stand or kneel around the front, we'd be glad to pray you through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on right now as we sing. Blessed be the name, oh, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name, oh, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name. You want to find a place to pray? Come on right now and find a place to pray. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, oh, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name.